Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Bloomberg Law is brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. The battle over royalties for pre-1972 sound recordings between digital music companies and the owners of recordings feels like it's been going on since the 70s. It's hard to keep track of the settlements and court cases across the country in different states with different copyright laws. You may have heard that the 60s band The Turtles settled with Sirius XM in California in a case covering class action claims on behalf of other performers, but a New York appeals court decision may throw a wrench into that settlement. New York's highest court decided that a common law copyright for pre-1972 sound recordings does not exist in New York State, and so no royalties are owed in the state. Will other courts follow? And will 2017 be the year that Sirius and Pandora put this issue of royalties behind them? Joining me are Matthew Shettelhelm, litigation analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence, and June Besick, executive director of the Kernikan Center for Law, Media, and Arts at Columbia University. Matt, this is a confusing, even messy area of law, I might say. Explain what the issue is with the pre-1972 recordings. Sure, sure, June. So the issue comes up every time you listen to a song over Sirius Radio or over Pandora. Uh, and and due to a technicality in how the, the laws have, have developed, uh, those services don't have to pay uh, the recording owners of, of the owners of those songs. And so that spawned litigation driven by class action lawyers representing, as you said, driven by, by Flo and Eddie, uh, members of of the, the Turtles, the 1960s band, the Turtles, that brought these these class action lawsuits against uh, this, the Pandora and Sirius. And they actually had some success initially in, in early suits saying, hey, this is our property. You're making millions of dollars playing our recordings and we're getting none of it. And and they 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 started uh, their as I said their their fight here with with two early wins in district courts um, in in New York and and California. And June, there have been settlements, but court cases are continuing in some of the states where there are settlements. What's happening? What kind of settlements are these? Well, to some degree, the settlements are to minimize the amount of. Uh, royalties that people would have to pay. They're, they're protection for Sirius and Pandora, but uh, the amounts paid in settlement can be reduced if, in fact, it turns out that uh, different courts say that they aren't liable. And so, Matt, what was the reasoning of the New York Appeals Court? So so the, the New York Court looked at this and said, you know, it, 
as sympathetic of of a case as as Flo and Eddie may have that hey maybe we should be we should be paid for this when you actually look at the law and the history of of the copyright law here there's a long history of 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 not paying um, uh, recording owners for performances, and and so they basically what the New York New York's highest court said was as much as we might like to rule for you uh, because it's the right thing. That's not our job. We're a court, and we have to look to the existing law. And your remedy, if you really want to fix, it's with the legislature to clarify that you should be paid going forward. We can't do that as a court. June, will you go back and just explain why pre-1972 is different from post-1972 and also why Sirius and XM are different from terrestrial stations? Okay, well, pre-1972 are on different footing because until 1972, there was no federal copyright protection for sound recordings. It only started in February of 72, and it only goes forward. So anything that was created before uh, that date um, is only protected by state law. And state laws differ from state to state. Sometimes the state laws that protect these sound recordings are statutes. Sometimes they're um, just, uh, you know, judge-made law. Um, and so uh, in, under federal law, over time, there became protection for certain aspects of public performing right. But the um, state laws really never updated uh, their laws, and so they're where they were before. But the reason why this is so important is that uh, the the way that people exploit recordings has changed. For a long time, they only exploited them by making copies and selling them, and that was protected under state law. But only in the last few years has streaming and public performance become a principal means of exploiting these sound recordings, and that's where the money is. Now, Matt, there are cases in other states, and they don't have to follow New York's reasoning, but is there a good reason that they might? I, I think there is. And, and as you said, so we, we've had the New York High Court rule here. There are cases pending. There was a case argued in Florida's High Court um, in early April. There's a case that's just been sent to California's highest court. And, uh, you know, they, as, as you said, they don't have to follow New York's uh, decision because it's based on an entirely different body of law that is specific to, to each state. But I think what what you're likely to see is those courts struggling with the total lack of law in this area. There, there aren't many decisions in any state recognizing uh, a recording owner's right to be paid. And so what I think you're likely to see is that New York decision will end up speaking pretty powerfully to those other courts, at least on a persuasive level, that um, this is probably best left to to the legislature. And I wouldn't be surprised if they look at their own law in Florida and California and reach a similar result. And June, in just about 30 seconds, will that change some of the settlements? Oh, it probably will. I mean, you know, if you take away the rights or the presumed rights that were the basis for the settlement, then obviously there's going that's going to be rethought. And I'm sure that the possibility of that change was recognized in the settlement. Our guests are June Besick, Executive Director of the Kernikan Center for Law, Media, and the Arts at Columbia University, and Matthew Shettelhelm, Litigation Analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. June, Congress created this complex scheme for copyright royalties and royalties on recordings. If states interfere with that, 
would there be a lot of confusion and a lot of disarray? Well, I don't know if you could say states may be interfering with it, but uh, if there are rights for public performance of pre-72 sound recordings in the states, then things will be in disarray because there are some clear ways of licensing, at least for um, uh, non-interactive uh, playing, streaming of these recordings in federal law, but they don't exist in state law, so everything would have to be negotiated, which is not true on the federal level. Matt, you wrote about uh, Sirius XM and Pandora. A number of settlements were reached in 2015 and 2016 to cap their exposure to claims, and a lot of those will... There, Pandora's has expired, and Sirius's will expire at the end of 2017. So what is the likelihood that they may decide not to go ahead with these yeah, agreements? Well- I, 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 that's right. So Sirius did did a deal in 2015 for about 210 million dollars. Pandora uh, uh, also did a deal in 2015 for for 90 million dollars. So so the big re- recording industry, the big players here, are largely sitting this out and letting the the smaller guys, a, a small fraction of of the recording owners, go ahead with the litigation. And I think what you're going to see right now is, is more of that sort of a sit back and watch and let's see what the courts do with this. We 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 have this major decision. From from the New York Court of Appeals, now we sit back and wait to see what what the Florida Supreme Court does with it, what the California Supreme Court does with that, and then we see where we land after that, and and then work out a a, a deal from there, or per, perhaps look to to Congress uh, for some clarification here. Do you think follow up on that? How likely is Congress at this point to clarify something like this? Well, it's never a good bet to say that Congress is going to, you know, get all the stars aligned and and actually act, especially in an area like copyright law that has so many uh, contentious uh, 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 interests involved. But um, longer term, I wouldn't say um, uh, right away, but longer term, I think I I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, uh, this issue clarified the next time uh, Congress... uh, decides to to look at copyright law again. June, Sirius has said that if states create a new form of state copyright, it could interfere with interstate commerce. Do you buy that argument? Well, I think that's not a really strong argument because there are a number of areas where states' laws differ. Uh, For example, right of publicity, uh, where um, I don't think that uh, they've been successful in claiming that it interferes with interstate commerce. Uh, you know, and, and I think that this is the kind of case that's probably not likely to get to the Supreme Court, for example, because, uh, you know, the court usually hears cases where there is a conflict in the lower courts over the interpretation of a particular law, and here they're interpreting different laws, state by state. Um, you know, I think this is really a question that Congress should take on. Uh, I agree that, it, you know, whether they will or not is another question, but the Copyright Office has recommended that Congress bring pre-72 sound recordings into federal copyright law. Matt, the numbers are large, the settlement numbers. How much money would be involved going forward if they started to pay royalties? And would there be any end date? 
so, so right now, if you think about it, both both Pandora and Sirius pay around you know, ballpark five hundred million dollars a year in total royalties for these recordings. Uh, but those are the the recordings that are more current than nineteen seventy two, and 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 Pandora pay, plays about five per five percent of its recordings are these oldies. So you can kind of do that math and, and look at five percent of of five hundred million and start to to ballpark what what this would end up costing it. And, and and in fact, I think Pandora is willing to to go there if it has to. It just wants you know to follow the law, and right now the law isn't there. But I think Pandora has been been willing to say if Congress clarifies this, and and maybe even that that Congress should clarify this, and so that all all owners are, are paid equally. But we're looking at about you know five percent of, of of what it now pays about five hundred million dollars a year. And June, just a, a guess in 30 seconds. I always give you the 30-second one, sorry. Um, ab- about how long before we see some kind of resolution here? Well, I think one way or another this will probably be resolved in the next uh, two or three years, whether it's by Congress, which is probably less likely, or by the courts. Um, because it is a big um, problem for uh, Sirius and Pandora. The real end date for them is 2067, because that's when all these works fall into the public domain. That's a long time to wait. <laughs> it's, it seems like a lifetime. <laughs> Thank yes. you both for being on Bloomberg Law. That's June Bessick. She's the executive director of the Kernikan Center for Law, Media, and the Arts at Columbia University. And Matthew Shettelhelm, he's a litigation analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.